Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Friday, June 19th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 158th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc., and you'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. Alright, thank you again for tuning into today's show. To kick off the episode, I would like to talk about some news that broke late last night, which is that the Canadian federal government issued an order in council that will allow Edmonton, Toronto, or Vancouver to serve as one of the NHL's two hub cities. This move would also allow the NHL to bypass the traditional 14-day quarantine for anyone entering the country of Canada. The order does still need to be signed by Canada's Governor General, but it sure sounds like their government has given the NHL the go-ahead to move north of the border if they so choose. The NHL's hub city has been something I've talked about a lot in recent episodes, but it's been tough to get a grasp of what city other than Las Vegas currently has the edge over the rest of the field with the Canadian ruling unanswered. Well, now that the Canadian federal government has issued the AOK, I think it's safe to say that Toronto would probably be the favorite at the moment, as I've stated a couple times on the podcast that the NHL apparently would like Toronto to serve as a second hub city if possible. Toronto would make sense due to multiple different reasons, such as the number of rinks in the area as well as the amount of hotels in the city, and I also just think it would make the atmosphere for this 2014 postseason a whole lot rowdier if a Canadian city were to host. Another reason why Toronto would make sense is that they are an Eastern Conference team, which wouldn't give any teams a potential home ice advantage throughout the 2014 postseason. This would perfectly set up Las Vegas to serve as the Eastern Conference's hub city, and then Toronto could host the Western Conference. The only problem with Toronto serving as the second hub city is that they've been one of the hardest hit cities in Canada in terms of COVID-19. Toronto's been tabbed with over 12,000 confirmed cases total, with 944 deaths, and there are still more than 2,000 active cases in the city. This may cause the NHL to look at the other two Canadian cities, as both Edmonton and Vancouver are in much better shape than Toronto. In Vancouver, there have only been 905 confirmed cases total, and in Edmonton, there have only been 450 cases since the beginning of April, with less than 200 active cases at the moment. The only problem with choosing one of those two cities is that it would mean two Western Conference subsidies, making the home ice situation a tad more complicated. This could also be said about Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, and Minneapolis as well. The other two Eastern Conference cities are Columbus and Pittsburgh, which I have talked about a couple times already on the previous episodes, but just as a reminder, Columbus would work well because of its location and the city doesn't really sound worried about the housing even though it's not really a major city. But the main issue with Columbus is that Franklin County, where Columbus is located, has the highest amount of cases in the state with nearly 7,000 cases currently and over 300 reported fatalities. So, not as bad as Toronto, but still not great by any means. As for Pittsburgh, the housing is no problem at all, but the practice facilities aren't in an ideal spot and there have been over 172 deaths in Allegheny County where Pittsburgh is located. So, neither of these three possible Eastern Conference hub cities are ideal situations, which will make the final decision that much more difficult for the NHL. Do they want to go the safest route for the health of everyone involved by selecting two Western hub cities, or will they take a bit of a gamble by choosing Toronto, Columbus, or Pittsburgh? Well, 
We should know the league's final decision by sometime next week, as reported by TSN's Bob McKenzie just a couple of days ago. All right, now I think it's time to move on to our next subject, which is a tough one to talk about. And that is the recent news about former Blackhawks Stanley Cup champion Daniel Carcillo filing a class action lawsuit against the CHL for repeated sexual and physical abuse during his time playing junior hockey. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you'll ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news. Also, make sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also on Twitter, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks so you can get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Okay, so we just wrapped up talking about the Canadian federal government giving the NHL the okay to pursue Toronto, Edmonton, or Vancouver as a hub city. Now, unfortunately, we'll transition to a bit of disturbing news, which is that Daniel Carcillo and fellow former professional hockey player Garrett Taylor have have launched a class action lawsuit against the CHL alleging that players aged 15 to 17 were routinely victims to hazing, bullying, physical and verbal harassment, physical assault, sexual harassment, and sexual assault. Now, just as a warning, some of these descriptions get pretty graphic and nasty, so if you tend to get uncomfortable hearing about these sort of things, now may be a good time to fast forward to our third and final segment of today's episode, Flashback Friday, which talks about a lot happier things than I am about to. So, according to the lawsuit, players in that class were forced to do some pretty awful things, such as masturbate in front of teammates and coaches to consume saliva, urine, and other bodily fluids, as well as just a couple other graphic things that I'm not going to completely dive into. But if you want to read the whole article, you can find it at thehockeynews.com. Very disturbing stuff, though, guys, so just a little heads up there. So before I get into all of this, I will say that none of the allegations have been proven in the court and have been proven in court in the past. But if any of this is even remotely close to true, there is a serious, serious problem with the junior hockey scene right now. These are kids we are talking about. And the worst part about the lawsuit is that Carcillo and Taylor both say that coaches and team officials knew about the incidents, and in some occasions, they actually joined it. A pretty messed up story that Carcillo stated in his lawsuit was that during showers, rookies were required to sit in the middle of the shower room naked while the older players urinated 
spat saliva and tobacco chew on them, and at least once, the head coach, which was Jeff Perry, who Carcillo rightfully named if this stuff is true, actually walked into the shower room while this was occurring, laughed, and then just walked out. Carcillo went on to tell a few other stories in which coaches knew about the situation or witnessed it as well, and there was one story he told about a coach whipping one of the younger players, probably 14 or 15 years old, with a belt while he was completely naked and crying. That is so messed up on so many different levels. I just don't know how a grown-ass man can think something of that nature is okay at all. Absolutely horrible stuff to read here. Garrett Taylor also told a story about how his coach, Mike Dick, who is currently the coach of the Vancouver Giants and was selected to coach Team Canada's Holinka Gretzky Cup team that got canceled, but probably not for much longer, was aware of the abuse and did nothing to prevent it. Dick also publicly humiliated Taylor by cutting him in front of the entire team and forcing him to get off the team bus when they were just about to leave for a road trip, leaving him stranded without any money, and the team never notified his parents or anything. They just left him there. So, just humiliated stuff by these so-called leaders who are supposed to guide these kids into superstardom when, in reality, they're doing the exact opposite if this stuff is true. Like, how small of a man do you have to be to humiliate a 15-year-old and get a laugh out of it? This stuff is absolutely pathetic and has no business in the game of hockey, especially junior hockey when we're talking about minors here. So, just a horrible situation to hear about because no human being should ever have to go through anything like that, especially at that young of an age. There is a clear line between right and wrong, and all those things that Carcillo and Taylor are accusing the CHL of aren't anywhere remotely close to right. There's no boys being boys excuses here. This is absolutely disgusting and needs to be fixed if proven true. So hopefully some good can come out of this situation as the CHL needs to take immediate action if all these things are proved to be true. And it's just tough to hear that such a a program that's been such a big part of carrying kids into professional hockey can do something like this. Like the CHL is supposed to provide kids with an opportunity to grow and flourish and more than more than in just a game of hockey. And that just seems to be the only thing on these coaches and team officials' minds, the game of hockey. They don't give a damn about these kids. They only care about their program and the on-ice performance, and it's it's truly despicable. Uh, it was really tough to read this entire article. There's probably seven or eight more stories that I didn't share on here because they're pretty graphic, and honestly, I felt uncomfortable reading them to myself. It, it's just crazy to hear that I mean, there have been rumors for some time now that there has been hazing problems going on in the junior hockey scene, but to hear all these things, like, these things tip the scale so much, like, these things aren't, like, borderline, like, oh, well, you know, like, that's not, okay, well, obviously hazing is unacceptable in any manner, but these things are so, like, so far, like, these are so extreme acts. Like, we're, ha- we're talking about a coach whipping a 15-year-old boy while he's crying. Like, that is so messed up, man. I I can't believe that adults act in this manner around children. And what kind of example does, does that set for the kids? Like, if these kids grow up and become coaches and are supposed to lead kids as these coaches are supposed to be doing, and they do the exact same thing because that's what they were taught, the cycle is so broken there, and it, it needs to be fixed immediately because 
there is no place for this in the game of hockey uh, at any level, but especially when you're dealing with 15, 16, 17-year-old kids who, you know, this this could affect the rest of their life. And that's what Carcillo and Taylor are stating is that this caused mental trauma that wasn't there before these incidents occurred. So uh, I, I completely understand why Daniel Carcillo and Garrett Taylor are stepping up because these actions cannot be repeated. And Carcillo, I mean, he's he's one of those hockey stories where he's coming out and saying everything right now. So I honestly, just with his reputation on the line, I, I honestly, me personally, I don't think there's any way this stuff can be false. If Daniel Carcillo went out on the public scene to say this, and I know a lot of you are going to be skeptical of that because of his past and he has, I mean, there's, I understand why you guys would say that because Carcillo is definitely uh, an interesting, an interesting situation. Um, but I, I don't think he'd lie about this. I really don't. I know how serious he's taken the concussion issues in the NHL right now. And this is a very ser- serious issue as well. So I really don't think there's any chance that Daniel Carcillo and Garrett Taylor would make any of these stories up. I, I just don't, I don't see any purpose behind that. All right, well, that's enough of that talk. Let's move on to something a little more positive, which is our Flashback Friday segment that throws it back to Game 4 of the 2013 Stanley Cup Final versus the Boston Bruins. But first, I need to take a minute to talk about something serious real quick. The Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Lockdown is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockdownPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Also, I need to talk to you about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar comes in a variety of different chocolate nut or nut-free flavors, such as peanut butter brownie, double chocolate mousse, and German chocolate cake all of which are covered in 100% real chocolate. Bilt Bars are magnificent tasting and also health conscious, so you can enjoy a tasty snack while also staying fit. Most of the bars are only 110 calories, while all of them are high in protein and high in fiber. What more could you want from a protein bar that tastes like candy? Bilt Bar is also currently offering an insane discount deal with up to 50% off on everything due to an inventory closeout, so make sure to go to BiltBar.com to take advantage of that right now. Another awesome thing about Built Bar is that they are now donating 100% of their profits to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. So not only is Built Bar a terrific tasting and healthy protein bar, but they are also donating all of their profits to a tremendous cause. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today to get a health conscious snack option and help be part of the solution. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com, for any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or simply just life in general. Thank you again for tuning in to Friday, June 19th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. We've already talked about Daniel Carcillo's class action lawsuit against the CHL and the Canadian government's ruling on the three hub cities. Now it's time to move on to our Flashback Friday segment, 
which takes us back to Game 4 of the 2013 Stanley Cup Final versus the Boston Bruins. Now, if you turned into the last Flashback Friday, you know that we look back on Game 1 of the series, which, was the, Bla which the Blackhawks won 4-3 in triple overtime. Well, the Hawks went on to lose Games 2 and 3 of the series, but one week later and seven years ago to the date, the Blackhawks responded in a big way in enemy territory after getting shut out by Tuka Rask in the game prior. Now, I wouldn't have called Game 4 a must-win for the Hawks since they came back from a 3-1 deficit just two series earlier, but going down 3-1 and losing three in a row in the final would certainly be a huge hole to crawl out of, so this was one the Blackhawks needed badly on the road. To kick off the contest, after an early interference call on Johnny Oduya, the Blackhawks' PK came up huge as Brandon Saad made a terrific area pass to find Michael Hanzus on a 2-on-1 for a shorthanded goal to go ahead 1-0. After a successful second PK, the Hawks were unable to kill off their third penalty of the period, though, as Rich Peverly found a loose puck after a Saad blowout and rifled a shot past Crawford to not the score before the first intermission. The Hawks regained their lead early in the second period, though, as Jonathan Taze found the back of the net for just the second time in the 2015 postseason on a redirect from Michael Roosevelt's shot from the point. And just over two minutes later, the Hawks' line, Hawks top line cashed in again. This time, it was Patty Kane on the backhand to make it 3-1 Blackhawks. But as you'll see, the theme of this game is answering back, and Milan Lucic did just that by getting body position in front of Johnny Oduya in front of the Hawks' net and beating Crawford off a rebound with his backhand to make it 3-2 Blackhawks. But less than a minute later, the Hawks would regain their two-goal lead as the fourth line cashed in on a two-on-one with Marcus Kruger capping it off with a stuff shot from his knees. A big-time response there from the Blackhawks. The scoring frenzy in the second period was not done yet, though, as with under three minutes to go, Patrice Bergeron cashed in on a lucky bounce off the glass and found the puck in front of the net to make it 4-3 to three heading into the second intermission. And just how the second period ended is how the third started, and that's with Patrice Bergeron finding the back of the net, except this one even the score at four apiece. This is the part of the game where Blackhawks fans started getting clammy hands and a knot in their throat, but as I said earlier, this game was a teeter-totter match filled with 60-plus minutes of back-and-forth action, so naturally, it was the Blackhawks' turn to answer back. This time, Patrick Sharp was able to corral a Rask rebound as the Hawks' 5-on-3 power play was expiring to re regain their lead with just under 9 minutes to play. But those pesky Bruins wouldn't go with, down without a fight, though, as Johnny Boychuk, a.k.a. Johnny Rocket back in the day, housed a slapper past Crawford's glove, which was his kryptonite in the series, if you remember, to once again tie up the score. And then 60 minutes proved to not be enough to settle this heavyweight bout, so to overtime we went. And unlike Game 1 of the series, fortunately it wouldn't take nearly three of these things to determine a winner, as Mr. Overtime himself, Brent Seabrook, came up clutch yet again for the boys, beating Rask with a slapper from the point blocker side to give the Blackhawks a much-needed Game 4 victory, their second overtime win of the series to tie this thing back up 2-2, two two, heading back to Sweet Home Chicago. This game really turned the tides of the series in the Blackhawks' favor as it set up the Game 5 victory back at home, and then of course the ever-so-sweet two goals in 17 seconds to seal the deal in Game 6 and give the Blackhawks their second Stanley Cup in four seasons. What a way to cap off a miraculous 2012-2013 season, which saw the Blackhawks go 36-7-5, and, and they also got off to a 21-0-3 start. I mean, this team didn't lose a game in regulation for 24 games, so anything but the Stanley Cup would have been a failure, so it was awesome to see them cap it off in such dramatic fashion against a high-powered team like the Boston Bruins. 
All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Flashback Friday, June 19th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. I hope that segment helped put you in a good mood heading into your weekend. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. And be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it's out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about a potential return to hockey in the next month or so. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am Jack Bushman. Don't forget the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday. So please hit me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my Blackhawks account at Talkin Hockey for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Or you could also always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. I really enjoy the questions you all send me for the segment, so please make sure to do so again this week. It's always fun interacting with all you listeners out there. All right, so thank you again for listening to Flashback Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Until Monday's episode, please enjoy your weekend responsibly.